Hello, welcome to Talkin' Toontics, the podcast where we watch a children's movie and then talk about politics and philosophy and stuff, and also um, abandon the conceit at the earliest opportunity and just talk about whatever. Yeah, usually video games, isn't it? <laughs> that comes up yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we just use... Because uh, we, we find that uh, there's often... Uh, films aimed at children family films can uh, usually they they're expressing a, a world view and it's we find it quite interesting to analyze that and maybe overanalyze it and uh, and maybe extrapolate things that aren't there but um yeah politics and philosophy are just a, a starting off point but I think this week we've got a film that is uh, perfect uh, at least in my mind, for for um, for for the lens that we we're viewing uh, children's films through, and that film is George Miller's Happy Feet. Had you ever seen this film before, Ed? I've seen it once a long time ago, and I, I rewatched it just a few days ago for this. And yeah. what what's your relationship with it? Uh, so I. I don't have one. I guess I missed it when it came out, and I think I watched it when it was on TV when I was in a bad mood, <laughs> and I rewatched it maybe in a bad mood. So I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm being unfair to the movie, but I didn't like it. Oh right, great. <laughs> this is going to be really interesting then. Cool. <laughs> um, so you don't remember the first time you watched it? I I, I remember, remember watching you... it and I remembered bits as I watched it, but I yeah I I remember being I remember seeing a trailer for it in the cinema before it came out and being totally unmoved by it. Yeah. And I remember watching it on the TV years later and being kind of bored. And yeah. when I yeah when I rewatched it, I just um yeah I couldn't help but feel like it was. It was doing a big swing, which I really appreciate, and then and then kind of missing on most fronts for me. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's really uh, talk about a big swing. It's um, it's a very thematically ambitious film, yes. <laughs> and yeah, I think there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's probably um, the in terms of uh, a thematic big swing and not really landing it or it not cohering it's definitely on a level on a par with uh zootropolis maybe it's even a bigger failure in that regard i mean i don't really want to call it a fail. i i quite like the film um mm. uh, because i think it's insane like it's just so weird like how did this <laughs> come about it was an extremely popular film um it came out in yeah. 2006 
And I was actually working at a cinema um, then. This is just before I went to Australia. Um, and so I must have been like 18. And um, I remember I was working in the cinema when it was on, but I never, I never bothered with it. Um, and I think I sort of associated it with, you remember there was, there was a, there was a real glut of penguin movies. There was March of the Penguins. Oh yeah. Narrated by Morgan Freeman. It was essentially a, a David Attenborough documentary, but with Morgan Freeman, wasn't it? Mm. Or did they really anthropomorphize? How do you say it? Anthropomorphize. Anthropomorphize. Did they really anthropomorphize the... The I penguins never, in that? I never saw it, but it was, yeah, it had that reputation. Definitely. Here's the mummy penguin, and here's yeah. the daddy penguin, and they're moving north for winter. Hmm. Is it that and I mean, yeah, this movie leans on that a lot. Like it opens with, I mean, there's a few bits, and it's Robin Williams doing a broad Morgan Freeman impression as the narrator. Well, no, but he, that, he's, uh, He's doing an Isaac Hayes impression. <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Step, what's going on here? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's um because the narrator is Lovelace. Because Lovelace right. swears that he'll tell Happy Feet's story. Oh, and Lovelace okay. is is quite clearly... Isaac Hayes. I mean, it's not. It's Robin Williams doing a very broad, um, uh, sexually charged African American, deep African American voice. But it's basically Isaac Hayes. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so, and that that's not even the craziest thing in this film. <laughs> but uh, that's right. That's interesting that you you drew the. You you kind of took that as a reference to. Um, well, I mean, it kind yeah. of is, isn't it? Yeah. To, I mean, to I mean, March of the Penguins. Lovelace is one of the characters in the movie, and he's not introduced until halfway through, and it's yeah. not clear at the beginning that the narrator is one of the characters who is going mm. to appear in the movie. Yeah, but so there's... when when it starts, it's just Robin Williams doing doing a voice, <laughs> doing and and doing in, in a... the context of this movie coming out, it came out like the year after. Much of the penguins yeah, came yeah. out, so it's just right. like good, look at all point. these penguins. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah, but he's more like look at all these penguins, y'all. Like it's he's much more sexual. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, look at all these penguins. Um, I can go quite low this morning because uh, I've got a bit of a cold, so oh. I'm going to take full advantage of that. Um, <laughs> I tried so, to record. I tried to record some uh, bassy singing for a music thing I'm doing, um, like yeah. a, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I I found it. Yeah, if you've if you've been a little a little ill, you can you can get right down there. Um, I'm not I'm not a great bass singer. I don't have a bassy voice, but yeah, yeah, it has yeah. it does help to get a bit ill, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so well, maybe I'll just do a little uh, rundown of how the film came to be and roughly sure. what it is. So, um, it's uh, it's directed by George Miller, who. Uh, he wrote and directed all of the Mad Max films. 
um, which is one of the main reasons why I was so excited to do this film. And uh, apparently the idea came from a cameraman, a kind of a veteran cameraman on uh, Mad Max The Road Warrior. That's Mad Max 2. And apparently he told George Miller, you've got to make a film in Antarctica. Uh, it's a wasteland just like here. I'm assuming he was talking about the Australian uh, outback. And um, so George Miller you know, set about like a... Uh, figuring out like what well, what what kind of film could he make there and obviously he was inspired by penguins um i don't have much more about the making of but i do know that all of the essentially this is a film about um <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> it's a film about a colony of penguins who uh who traditionally sing um, and that's their thing, that's their tradition and culture, they sing, but one of them is born who can't sing, but he can tap dance. Mm. It's just so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, great, so one of them can tap dance. Anyway, there's a lot of tap dancing in the film, and it's all motion captured. They had real dancers um, mm -hmm. tap dancing. Yeah, I uh, saw some of this, there's like footage on YouTube and some photos and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's all like all, all of the like, um, what do you call it? Cho choreography is, is yeah. like it's actual groups of humans, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> choreographed together and mocapped and mapped onto penguins, yeah, yeah. And apparently, they had to do, um, they had to have special training to learn how to move like penguins, mm. like, so this is one of the sticking points for me. I put yeah. it to you, A, that tap dancing is like i mean it's fine and it's i mean i'd happily watch a tap dancer but it's not it's not like top it's not it's, it's not, not like exactly a, the most spectacular of dancing yeah yeah it's like <laughs> it's fine and yeah. b it like some of the spectacle of the wonder that is tap dancing is lost in the translation to motion capture well, to so, penguin, maybe. Yeah. So, so <laughs> when you know, when there's just a you know, a quiet bit of the movie, and and it's, it's like really, really focusing in on like the feet of this penguin, like it's it, it's not exactly. It just not, looks like shuffling around, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. If, like you, you can't tell individual movements so you can't like like the movement of the feet doesn't exactly line up exactly with the the like yeah the he just he just sort of does a like that and just does a little pa at the end and it's like oh that's supposed to be impressive yeah yeah you definitely empathize with the other penguins who are very unimpressed <laughs> with yeah. his tap dancing um i guess the idea came from um kind of old hollywood musicals um and uh yeah b big show numbers where you would have all of these uh, men and women in um uh, what, what do you call it like a black tie with uh, uh you know top hats and uh, tails 
mm. and bow ties, and they would look like penguins. I guess that, I, that's where the kind of imagery comes from, like whatever. Right, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. those kind of old Hollywood I, I, musicals. I, I know what you mean. I think. I so think I guess that's where the, oh, they look like penguins. So what if penguins actually like tap danced like that? So is this, is this too early to jump into my game? I mean, you really. I think we should get talk about the film a little. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, the game. Oh, yeah. No, I think the game should be a special surprise for later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a well, dancing okay. game? Okay. Let me sacrifice one of the bits of my game and just put it put it out there for to clear something is that this is more or less realistically based on the actual mating habits of emperor penguins who according to some source or other you know wikipedia plus some other stuff <laughs> um sing and dance for each other to attract mates oh they do great oh they but they dance as well yeah they do both ah oh, so maybe in real life it took a, a happy feat. It took a mumble to teach the colony how to dance. Because in this movie, they only sing. Yeah. Dancing is taboo. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's it's pagan. That. It's like they do sort of a little bit. You can't sing without dancing. They sort of <laughs> well, it's about it's, artfully, it, which is basically dancing. Sure. Yeah. I think we should get into the well, into every, the films. Everyone in this movie is Australian. Every yeah. Australian is in this movie. Okay, yeah, it's 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 another weird thing with accents, but um, I know one of the elephant seals is Steve Irwin doing a cameo. Ah, uh, no, I think Steve Irwin is. Oh yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, but he's also he plays a um, uh, I think a seagull or no, an albatross in a deleted scene. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Yeah, he does a yeah. sort of Steve Irwin thing. Oh, remember right. Steve Irwin? He was he was so great. I used he to was love a treasure. Watching. Yeah. So uh, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman play a couple in love. Uh, uh, Norma Jean and Memphis, mm. and they both sort of have, even though they're Australian actors, they sort of have a. Well, they sound like they're from Memphis. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, and they sing uh, their love song that they fall in love to. I think it's when Memphis uh, sings Prince's Kiss. Is that right? Uh, so I think so. Yeah. The 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 world building that is sort of established over the next introductory bit of the movie and and here is that. Each penguin, each emperor penguin has a unique heart song that they learn when they're children and they, th that comes from within and that they sing it. And they will find a partner for life by singing their heart song and finding someone who matches up with it. So Nicole Kidman is singing Kiss. Right, yeah. And wandering around. And all the other penguins sort of chip in with other bits of song that don't match up. So yeah, yeah, that's the medley thing. Yeah, yeah it so does seem that even though everyone has an individual heart song, um, the whole tradition of it and the culture of it is very collective-based. Mm. And even when someone's singing their heart song, everyone else is chipping in. Yeah. It's very much a group effort. Um, right. 
and Hugh Jackman's <coughs> character Memphis turns up and he starts singing Heartbreak Hotel. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, right. And it sort and it, it mashes up together. And they yeah. make a kiss Heartbreak Hotel mashup. And yeah. and they get together based on that because it works. Yeah, yeah. It's and it, it's very romantic and they fall in love. And then they have a a, a baby. And um like you said, this film is based loosely on the the real mating rituals of emperor penguins. Um, so uh, it's actually the the women that go off to um, go fishing, and it's the men who who stay and take care of the eggs. Hmm. That was quite which interesting is, to me. I didn't which know is, that. Um, so in real life, they they yeah, it's egalitarian. So. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's random, but one of the parents goes first and then comes back and watches the egg while the other one goes out. They both. Oh share, right. They share, oh, I see. Like, so it's so it's not it's not just a female thing. It's a take it in turns type thing. Yeah. But oh, yeah, this right. is this is consistent with that at least. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh right. I th- yeah. I I took away from the film that it's females are always the ones that go fishing but they take it in turns that's cool that's really uh positive mm. and progressive we can learn a lot from penguins absolutely um my yeah my my preparation for this episode was reading up on like penguin biology great and, and, and stuff my like preparation that. for this episode was watching all of the mad max films right <laughs> <laughs> which will come into play later on mm-hmm. um and uh so uh, Norma Jean goes off to go fishing while Memphis uh, has to take care of the egg. And thus begins the first scene that really kind of took my breath away because it's just so epic, is uh, this uh, huge colony of uh, of all-male emperor penguins are left to take care of the eggs. And it's this brutal night of frost blast and they've all got to huddle together and they all and some of the dialogue and it, it just it looks spectacular and it does look like something out of Mad Max um, and it's just an incredibly brutal night and you've got all these thousands of penguins all huddled up and they have to take it in turns on, on rotation for people to brave the, the frost blast on the outer most circle it reminds me of the of Quint's story in in Jaws when uh, that when the USS Indianapolis goes into the sea and then the the sharks slowly pick off the men from the sides that, who are left in the water, you know. What? Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they all sort of the only reason that they all survive this is that they are all uh, they work together as a collective, and they they pray. They pray to their their own god, which they've made in their own image, mm. the great Gwyn. The, the great Gwyn, yeah, and um, they worship him and pray that he brings fresh fish. And there's, I've just written down some of the lines of dialogue because it's just so epic. Like the wind is howling, and you know this is this is life and death really. And they're all uh, huddling together, and and there's this one guy, the leader, played as you said by Hugh. 
Hugo Weaving, and he's saying, "You must, we must cry out fervently for the great Gwyn to turn the earth and bring back the sun. And it just, it really captured, it's just so dramatic <laughs> and so epic. It really captured my imagination. And, um, and the idea is that they all sing together in praise of the great, the great Gwyn. But Memphis is just so in love with Norma Jean and he's daydreaming about her that he is singing a little individualistic song on his own. Or he's imagining her singing Prince's Kiss. And um, there's a rule with the Pen- the Emperor Pegwiz that you must never drop an egg. Mm. As, as told by Robin Williams slash Morgan Freeman slash Isaac Hayes. Exactly, yeah. Going, you never drop your egg. Let me tell you, you never drop an egg. Mm. And um, he... Uh, uh, yeah, so he's daydreaming uh, about Norma Jean singing. And so it's very much, you know, the individual versus the collective. Um, and and the individual is failing the collective by daydreaming on his own. And, and therefore, that's why he drops his egg. And which goes on to hatch to become the most individualistic penguin of them all. The, the kind of the way that the penguins are presented this whole very firm strong uh communal culture um reminds me of uh china because <laughs> they talk about or it's like almost like communism like they talk about how um the emperor penguins must be in harmony you know life must be in harmony and and that's a direct line from the chinese government to say that we must you know we must work in harmony together some of, know, yeah, some, of, me of that. some of these um like mu- music numbers and stuff with the massive crowds of people all, all working together and, and like dancing together in the same moves and stuff um it looks like a lot of those videos that came out like uh that got popular a couple of years ago um i feel like there was like a mini sort of craze of uh prisons like training training oh, prisoners yes. to do coordinated dances well there was there was the flash mob craze mm. and they got big in prisons yeah you're right do you remember the beijing olympics opening ceremony yeah it's yeah. really amazing but also yeah, again, just same, so same thing, overwhelming yeah. and intimidating just so many just coordination on that level um not that i'm not at all insinuating that um, I don't mean to insinuate that Chinese people are sinister, but it, it, there is something kind of it's very impressive, but also a bit intimidating and scary. Like seeing coordination on that scale, mm. <laughs> seeing so many thousands of people making the exact same moves. And we, at the we exact get the same. same this is a motif that I've seen in a couple of other things. You know what you just reminded me of is um, you remember that movie Ants. That I, yeah. I would love to do on this as well at some point. Sure, yeah. That was that was a whole thing where there was they had a very militaristic sort of communal culture. Yeah, definitely. Then, yeah. Like when when they finished work and you know went to celebrate and dance and stuff, their dancers were these sort of line dancing influenced kind of bit huge. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and yeah, and the hero is it, the hero is always a, a guy that. Is, is kind of striving for his own independence and his own individuality. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't 
it, it's kind of it makes sense coming from American Hollywood studios. <laughs> mm. You know, uh, it's always the the individual that that prevails over the over the the oppressive uh, community. Mm. Um, so so yeah, Memphis drops the egg, but then he gets back to the to the group. Um, and the egg hatches quite soon. It's it's a bit touch and go. It may not hatch. He's worried that it's maybe uh, going to be stillborn, but uh, the egg hatches and uh, a little boy comes out and he's immediately dubbed Mumble by uh, another young chick, female chick, who's just been born as well. Apparently they just, they can suddenly talk. They can talk immediately. Um, just like in have, real life, yes. That's yeah. <laughs> they have full uh, linguistic capability, um, and she dubs him Mumble because he mumbles. Uh, because yeah. he can't sing, he he can't sing yet. I guess she's already like cracking out tunes, isn't she? I, I don't remember. <laughs> They're very advanced for their age. Yeah, um... <laughs> they've just been born. <laughs> mm. um, Mumble can immediately tap dance. And uh, he's sort of compulsively just sort of, yeah, tapping away. He can't really walk properly because he's he's dancing too much. Yeah, and um, Memphis is immediately embarrassed by this. <laughs> it's just so, it's so funny that a parent would just be immediately ashamed that their child can tap dance straight out of the egg. Well, well wouldn't you be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a great moment when someone shouts "Wives ho!" <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> and all the all the women come back with the food, and she uh, uh, feeds uh, feeds Mumble, and um, mm. uh, yeah, it's it, she's sort of charmed by his tap dancing, but Memphis is more ashamed of it, and he's quite um, conscious of the elders disapproving. Mm. And, my um, my favorite line in the movie is, um, yeah, mom comes back and is all like, "Hey, that tap dancing's pretty cool," and and dad goes, "Yeah, whatever. I'm gonna go fishing." <laughs> oh right, <laughs> so he does go fishing, right? Yeah, I didn't um, catch that. Like he's just, just <laughs> I hate all. Of it. I'm bored of it now. Right. <laughs> well, he said it's it's not penguin son. <laughs> um. And so uh, uh, all the young chick uh, do you call them chicks? Uh, all the young the dudes, young, mm -hmm. the young penguins, um, need to be taught their uh, uh, singing. They go to a they've got a teacher who teaches them that mm -hmm. a heart song can't be taught. It's a voice you hear inside you and who you truly are. And and everybody finds their own heart song. Um, uh, Gloria, his friend. She's uh, very good at singing. She finds her heart song easily, and mm -hmm. Mumble it's tries. It's Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, well, that's later, isn't it? Um, but yeah, uh, or it's is it? The, it's the verse of Boogie Wonderland, I believe. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But and, they only get um, to the chorus later when all comes together. But, yeah. yeah, and when the chorus insists that you dance, and and all the penguins have to. Mm. <laughs> 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 like kind of oh yeah dancing maybe dancing shouldn't be taboo again this film's bonkers um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, Mumble tries to sing and he fails and and when he tries to sing it sounds like a screeching penguin 
Mm-hmm. So the elders are very uh, disdainful of this um, and uh, concerned that he's uh, he's going to be a bad influence. Uh, so uh, Mumble practices all alone. He practices his ta- tap dancing um, away from the group and he's attacked by um, seabirds. I believe they're called, uh, is it pet- petrol? They're petrels and skua. Skewers, that's it. Skewers, yeah. yeah. Or skewers. And um, and they're, they're all they're all mob wise guy Italian Americans. Yes, yeah. Um, so instantly yeah, intimidating. Next, uh, uh, yeah, we've got another movie where accents are doing a whole load of work. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's yeah. it's shorthand, isn't it? In, intimidating, uh, like scary uh, predators. Sort of, yeah. But it's 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 doing this clever thing where all the different species have a different group. Like <laughs> they have different accents, so you can distinguish. Like like they go on a journey and they move. Like all well, the characters. we'll get there. Yeah, yeah but I mean, around. the emperor penguins. There's a real variety, isn't there? Yeah. But again, we we have the um, sort of transatlantic, uh, the kind of general american accent for our lead characters mm-hmm. but the parents are both from the kind of the south of, of north america um the one of the elder is is scottish yeah um so it's all a bit of a mixed bag isn't it um until it comes to other species which are quite firmly but yeah. we'll get to that yeah um so uh yeah the uh, and one of the skewers uh, basically they they attack him and they say you're flippers and we're flyers and sometimes we we eat you if there's not enough fish um <laughs> mm. and so yeah there's there's a real shortage of fish basically that's the the big problem that's going to need to be solved um mm. and this and that's why these skewers are, are attacking mumble and uh, but Mumble notices that one of the skewers has a, a tag on his leg, and he says, "Yeah, I was abducted by aliens." And mm. I thought that was a really novel way of kind of exploring um, animal cruelty, or the way that human beings interact with animals that I'd not seen in films before, where that you know these wild animals who haven't come into contact with human beings um, describe them and describe encounters with human beings as uh, you know they're. Uh, they're mystic. Uh, do they call them mystic beings, or they they call them aliens? And, yeah, yeah aliens, I was abducted by aliens. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought that was really cool and novel and interesting. Mm. But I, and the, um, the the other interesting thing about this scene, I think, is that like he's Mumble is doomed. He's going to get eaten by this predatory bird, and his way of escaping is through just being that, interested that's... in the other person. So it's, yeah, yeah have this sort yeah. of. I don't know. Yeah, that is really nice. He it's he just sweet. takes interest. He's like, "Tell me your story. Like, what happened to you? Why do you have that tag on you?" Yeah, and then of course his his backup is to tap dance. <laughs> 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 There's quite a telling line in this when when he says that um, he says, "Why didn't why didn't the aliens eat you?" Because that's you know what he'd expect by a a predator who's larger. Why didn't they eat you? And he said, well, uh, I must have appealed to their better nature. This is the head skewer. And then Mumble asks, well, can I appeal to your better nature? Um, And that seems to be a real thing um, 
that's one of the one of the many comparisons I've kind of noticed between uh, throughout all George Miller's work, but particularly Mad Max films and and this. He he seems to love portraying um, really uh, kind of savage uh, uh, and brutal wastelands where it's dog eat dog and um, it's very dangerous and it's all about survival um, and he really seems to enjoy uh, showing the brutality and the savagery of it but also having a very strong message of explicitly a- appealing to people's better nature mm. um, and that that's that's in all of the Mad Max films and in this. It's like, yes, yeah. it's a savage world, but we can always choose to to act on our better nature. There, um, are, there and... are very few unambiguously bad characters in this. Every, like, even all of the humans are, are just, like, they they want the best for everyone. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone is just trying their best to try and solve everything, which is well. Know, the it's, film it's presents sweet. a world where we're all just, we're all just tribes. We're separate tribes, including human beings, and we have different cultures and different beliefs. But ultimately, we want the best for each other, and all we need to, we just need to know about all of the problems, and then we'll deal with them, which is a very. Um, <laughs> naive view of the world but i guess it's yeah i mean you, you have to have a mm. kids movie you can't you can't tell the truth about the world in a kids <laughs> movie i guess <laughs> um <laughs> i mean it's sweet at least it's optimistic i mean it's, it's <laughs> yeah. something to aspire to but i mean you're right it's not the, fu- accurate. the funny thing about this scene is that like the skewer says uh why didn't they eat you well they i must have appealed to their better nature but the thing is, he wasn't appealing to their better nature. They were scientists, because the the tag is is about studying him and his uh, 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 migration patterns and his you know, or something mean, like that. That's it's sort it's of for better scientific. nature, isn't it? That, it's I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not like. But he presents it like, oh, you know, um, they took pity on me. No, they did with him what they wanted, what they set out to do, because they're they they dominate the world, human beings. That is, and know, this my, my this is, is the idea. Like a, my my, my oh, read is more like, um, I mean, they they're just not predators. Um, he he misinterpreted it because he comes from this culture of everyone eats each other, but right, but the the film is saying humans are you know we Benign. don't we don't have that we are we are curious scientists right yeah yeah uh, well is... yeah but also the humans are the are the cause of the biggest problem they're overfishing they're they're greedy and that also expands out to um kind of ravaging a, a, of, of the planet yeah um which is predatory in a way and it's it's all about um the human beings have the right to self-determination um and they they kind of take uh whatever they want and this film's got sort of like basically animals trying to communicate with them saying hey that's not okay with you know and then for some reason they're benign and they say (laughs) Yeah, okay. <laughs> wait, 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 we'll come back to this. But yeah. But my point was that basically the skewer says, I appeal to their better nature. And this is what 
inspires mumble it's like okay well if there's a fishing shortage and i have a theory that the fishing shortage is because of these aliens these mystic beings all i have to do is appeal to their better nature and he goes on this epic journey (laughs) of trying to find the human beings and appeal to their better nature but it's all based on a kind of a misunderstanding because you know they were never acting out of their better nature they were just you know dominating the world (laughs) as as they see is their right (laughs) Mm. um with their science (laughs) it's i i get the impression it's portrayed more as you know this is an un this is an unfortunate side effect that humans had no idea about right and, that's true yeah <laughs> yeah and, and we had no idea that if we completely ravage the sea of all its fish it's going to have some sort of negative side effect yeah which is like, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and all we need is a tap dancing penguin to tell us mm. that it's a problem um so yeah so uh moving on where are we so it's graduation time i quite like the little the it's quite neat the way that instead of throwing up caps when they're when they graduate from uh penguin university they throw up their feathers and that is you know it's like a rite of passage they lose their what do you call that when because uh, a baby penguin is covered in all that fluff and fur and yeah, then when they become adults just... they become sleek I don't know, sort of baby plumage. Yeah, baby feathers. I don't know what you baby call Baby feathers, yeah. They chuck them up in the air instead of caps. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah. Um, and then there's this really spectacular sequence because even though um, Mumble is a terrible singer and he doesn't fit in, he's, he's quite a good swimmer. So uh, there's a great fishing sequence where uh, all of the all of the graduated penguins uh, jump off a cliff. And, yeah, they, and they swim around yeah. and there's some fantastic cinematography. And yeah. Okay, might, might there be are, there are very f- There are very few fish, yeah. aren't there? And, they've, and they've Mumble, managed to catch, Mumble manages to catch a fish as a present for Gloria. Yeah. Um, but it's stolen by the skewers. And yeah. uh, he sort of uh, fights he fights them off or he he just holds on for dear life to this fish that they're trying to take away and somehow he manages to salvage half of it or just the fish head and he gives it to her as a gift and so she's quite impressed Mm. so i yeah i like the it's yeah it's difficult to tease apart all the different bits of this that i i thought were neat and stuff I just thought was, yeah, the swing and a miss we keep talking about. Like, it's like that it was... So, so one, one of the things I think that is really, really unfortunate with this movie in general is, is that it's not... Like, in terms of the, what's on the screen, it's not particularly appealing all the time. It's not, like, exciting, even, even though the camera's zooming around and you're seeing lots of dangerous stuff. I never felt like really invested in any particular character just because they're, I don't know, a bit dull. But also just to look at, like, every penguin looks basically the same. And they're all the same colours. And, like, the sea and the sky and the ice are all the same colour. Like, the colour palette <laughs> of, of this whole section of the movie is, like, blue. Yeah. 
and and the characters are black and white on blue and white and uh, yeah um that's really interesting you say that i um because i actually felt like they struck a really good balance between um they're obviously going for a realistic look like the mm. penguins look like real penguins they're not um exaggerated cartoons like you would have in like early disney movies they're, they're like minorly exaggerated they're basically yeah. like like correct but like stuff like norma jean is like has massive boobs and a yeah and stuff. <laughs> she's really yeah. sexualized yeah <laughs> yeah um, obviously and the um the elder has got the crooked neck mm. and but, yeah, yeah, characters I mean, seem to be defined by the the color of their eyes right but uh, yeah, if you contrast this with I don't know, like Mad Max Fury Road, where like color is massive, like everything yeah. is really vibrant and shifting all the time. It's like yeah, yeah. this is yeah. a little. It's, it's... I it I actually had uh, just on the same. I I I really quite like the way this film looked. Um, but um, I had a similar thought on that. Do you remember? Have you seen the 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 Lion King remake? Yeah. You've yeah, seen it. I've, I thought I've about only, that as well. Just I've only watched all about twenty bit... minutes of it because I just I couldn't stand it. Yeah, but, uh, the, but all the characters feel a bit sort of flat and dead. Well, it feels completely flat and dead because part of the charm, the whole point of of an animated film, is that you you animate the characters, like mm. you you exaggerate the characters. Um, you, you play with the form to uh, to um, it's expressionistic, isn't it? Like you you watch mm. the original Lion King and every character is um, has a real personality in the way that they're drawn and the way that they're animated. But like they 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 essentially went for a a, a David Attenborough documentary. Yeah, but with the lions talking. So firstly, it looks ridiculous it just looks weird and creepy that when they talk but secondly you can't tell any of them apart because they all just look like regular lions you mm. know and it's all just beige and gray and and yellow um it's muddy and uh it's like what's the point of putting <laughs> all that money into animating something when you just it it was just so dead and flat and my the note that i wrote on happy feet is maybe this is the way they should have gone with the lion king because it is going for a realistic look but it there's also it's heightened and there are touches of for example um and i sorry i don't mean to contradict you i, I just felt like the the scene when they're all huddled together and they're praying to the great Gwyn in the in the snowstorm and and you see this dream of the great Gwyn rise up uh it's like their the lyrics of their prayer to him their song to him are, are kind of made real in this giant ghost of the Gwyn and for me stuff like that there's a lot of photography of huge enormous group shots that's another thing that I noticed about um, George Miller films and that's very prevalent in Mad Max as well. He seems to love uh, framing um, a really spectacular wide shot where you can see an entire tribe together as one collective. 
And so you can grasp an entire people in your mind in, in just one image. Right. Um, and he does that so much in this film. Yeah. Like um, there's this there's this repeated sort of motif I noticed in this where the, like multiple times the whole like the camera zooms out and keeps zooming out until you see like the whole continent or the whole world. Y- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, I got a bit confused as to what they were actually trying to say with that stuff. Like we'll come to that later on, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, he definitely likes to. Um, zoom out and frame so i ju- i just thought that um some of those shots are really spectacular there's there's another one in a minute actually uh so uh, gl- uh for her graduation gloria sings somebody to love um by queen and it's a good it's a good rendition it's a yeah it's really i mean this is this is something that i thought this is an example of a scene that i thought looked really spectacular and beautiful mm, i like this and you've I, got the I northern really lights and then everyone's singing and Mumble tries to sing, but he just screeches. So he's just literally, he's just kicked out. He's, <laughs> he's just banned from the event. But it's they, really they cruel. Him, they give him a chance and he gets all carried away. Yeah, and he starts squawking. So they mm. kicking out. And again, they have this really spectacular shot of the entire colony singing somebody to love on a on a cliff with the northern lights above them and in the foreground is poor Mumble watching alone, uh, completely separate from the group. So, yeah, Mumble is, uh, again, outcast. And uh, so it, it, this this film has a lot of quite dark moments, I think. Um, he's been outcast by his tribe and he's alone. It's quite misty. It's the daytime, but it's misty. You can't see very well. And he's just stood alone on on this uh, floating piece of ice um really sad and it's just it's really crushing and then he's suddenly attacked by seals and they're like dinosaurs they're so they make the same kind of noises that a t-rex would make in Jurassic yeah. Park. it's a leopard seal they're real they're real animals and that's a real yeah. they're a real threat to penguins in real life yeah totally and i i thought this was a pretty terrifying and spectacular action sequence and yeah. did um did the leopard seal speak? He I can't did, remember. And I don't think it's an actor I recognised, but he had a Eastern European accent, which was oh yeah, no, Scans is a villain, got it. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> and then uh speaking of accents, um the Mumble is sort of rescued by a group of Adieli Adieli penguins? Ad- Adeli. Adeli penguins. Adeli. Yeah. Delhi penguins and uh, they are uh, more diminutive than emperor penguins and they uh, they seem to all be uh, Latino or do we say Latinx now is that how you say it? I or believe Latinx? it's pronounced Latinx and Latinx. Um, I also believe no one says it like it's, yeah, okay. a, it's one of those like um, like I don't know why SJWs have invented the term. Right. And oh, it's, right. Yeah. It's okay. Supposedly inclusive, but uh, that's yeah. that's my understanding from reading about it. But I I don't really know exactly what to think. But Latino. Latino yeah, I didn't. Latin. I didn't realize La- Latino was it, it. It was. I don't know why it's offensive. I mean, obviously, I'm ignorant 
So I can, yeah, I can talk about linguistics if you want. <laughs> oh, go on then. No, yeah, yeah, we don't have enough so, linguistics so chat. In, in Spanish, uh, you would say Latino. Oh, of course, it implies male. Yeah, so if you, you would that is, say... That's why it implies male. Yeah, you would say right. Latino for a male Latin yeah. person and Latina for a female and a group of mixed male and female people you would call Latino. Male takes precedence. Yeah. Which is yes, yes, yes. part of the language and built in, but yes. also like sexist. reinforcing of patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which and is... again, that that is totally makes sense. I remember when I was learning Spanish, I sort of picked up on that. I was like, wait a minute, everything's inherently male, <laughs> like, or like the plural plural is uh, male is prime. Um, yeah, you get the same thing in French. I think if you have mixed groups of like, yeah male yeah. and female things, it just is male. Which I think all Romance languages do that. Which is it's yeah. part of the language and built in. And yeah. I don't know, it doesn't necessarily reflect some inherent sexism, but it kind of does a bit. And yeah. also, it's something that's probably important to deconstruct. And um, but you know the the fix that we've decided on as influential people um in society is is not like it's not popular among actual latin communities i understand okay right so no yeah. one says latinx but you know you write it and it's clear what it means but also yeah. i don't know what it is right to say i i would say I... is latin wrong <laughs> yeah latin you yeah. know, I'm sure we'll figure it out, us too. Don't worry, guys. Hold our beer. We've got it. <laughs> um, you, you know, when just in terms of um, when we're talking about accents and how um, uh, there's always a default, um, usually uh, white uh, American like mid-Atlantic hero mm. and just like in Chicken Run last week the hero was the kind of general southern accent that you'd expect to find in London mm. and all the side characters they're the ones that have wacky accents that you know that really define their characters and and um yeah it's always side characters who have foreign accents for example right yeah and those accents are usually exploited to for for humor. Yeah. Um, and that got me thinking about a scene from uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and it's not it's a scene that doesn't actually make it into the final film. And I was really surprised because it's such a good scene. It's so clever in the way that it confronts this default. Uh, uh, identity usually yeah default whiteness basically and uh, um middle of the road whiteness and um it's basically it's in the trailer for the film it doesn't appear in the final film and it's when uh i'm sure everyone's seen spider-man spider-verse it's basically a film in which uh spider-man discovers that there are many there's a multiverse there's many different universes and therefore many different spider-men and and women and uh you have uh our hero is a young uh african-american oh i know but his mother's latin yeah, isn't his mom's african-american his dad's african-american his mother's Latina. latin miles morales exactly from the comics miles morales yeah. 
and he's the main character and he comes into contact with the more traditional Spider-Man who I think we're kind of it's coded that he he is like the Tobey Maguire type right Mm. he's the he's the straight white one um uh, but he's now washed up and uh he's kind of out of shape and uh and he becomes Miles Morales's mentor and there's a scene when the older Spider-Man um the white one is explaining to Miles the multiverse but he's explaining it like um uh he takes out some fries because uh, they're in a diner and he says look at this fry it's you know it's nice and straight and and perfect and it's perfectly fried and it's exactly right that's my universe now look at this like shitty fry over here that's slightly bent and a little bit overcooked in this corner that's your universe and it's just it's just really beautifully demonstrating that um well white supremacy <laughs> you know in in this cool animated film i i just I thought that was cool. I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that scene, no. But yeah, another great movie. Maybe worth doing on this. Oh, Not really a lot of politics movie. in it, I don't think. Oh, there will. I'm be. sure there is. Yeah. I mean, that's just a perfect example. Of it. Right. <laughs> so uh, basically, these uh, Adeli penguins arrive, who are all clearly coded as. Um, Latin. Mm. I'm gonna go with Mexican. Probably, um, yeah. They're like they uh, sh- they share a border with the Emperor Penguins. Yeah, they're led by Robin Williams in his uh, first uh, problematic uh, voice acting gig in this film. Well, well <laughs> one, one of two the narration as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. But we haven't been introduced to that character properly yet. But yeah. And he's he's playing the leader of uh, this gang called uh, Ramon. And uh, how are these guys characterized? They're sort of they're they're yeah. more they're smaller and they're more. It's very much the Akuna Matata kind of moment, isn't it? Yeah, they're like they're Timon and Pumbaa. They they serve yeah. that purpose. Yeah, they're these big life and soul of over the top, fun, <laughs> wisecracking guys. Yeah, because the poor really know how to um, live, don't they? You know, because mm. they're no, they yeah, they have they're, so they're rich closer in to the earth. They're rich in spirit. <laughs> they they they're closer to the earth. They're closer to death, so they know how to value life, and they are just perfect for teaching um, uh, uh, a more privileged person how to live. This is they? this just, is the second time I'm reminded of Stuart Lee's stand-up routines and him just yeah yeah he has a routine where he talks about being a like a private school sixth former and yeah we we took a gap year and and got on a bus and went drove all the way down the m4 <laughs> went to went to birmingham and those people are just so so poor and they have nothing but they're so rich in spirit that's so good <laughs> yeah um, but he also has a famous bit about um the the american like uh hard right christian lobbyists making a big deal about march of the penguins and he does a routine with doing an impression of morgan freeman oh (laughs) Um, which is it's unsavory and i won't repeat it but it's it's very good 
Well, okay, so people have to look it up then, because yeah. you're too afraid to... Um, Does yeah. he do a good impression, or...? No, it's not good. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. a good bit on his TV show where he makes a... He does a parallel universe documentary following, like, the mating habits of Morgan Freeman, narrated by a <laughs> penguin. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really funny. <laughs> So, <laughs> it's just like subtitled but, saying or like and Morgan Freeman will sleep with this <clears throat> just floozy <laughs> in, a, so, in a dance as old as time. I've got to watch that. I don't know how I haven't seen that. So um Mumble falls in with this gang of a deli penguins who were basically Mexicans. <laughs> yeah. And they um and I was wondering, are they I I don't think you know, Emperor penguins don't um eat Adeli penguins, but just by virtue of the Adeli penguins being smaller, are they and being Mexican, are they are they just lesser <laughs> in um, this film? Is that the idea? Yeah. Because you know, you know when Mumble arrives and he uh, Ramon is teaching him about their culture and he's just saying, yeah, we're impoverished. We don't have anything, but we know how to have a good time. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, just like in, in the global south. <laughs> you know? You've been to um, Mexico. That's what it's like. They're all just yeah. like, having, a, having a great party a all great the time. time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm assuming that they're... Uh, and later on, they're... They're, they're sort of dismissed as 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 dirty, uh, bad influence foreigners, aren't they? Yeah. Um, it's, it's so I'm pretty, assuming that Emperor yeah. Penguins, with a name like that as well, Emperor Penguins, there, it, it's a clear yeah. hierarchy. Well, I think in um, real life it's not. I'm, I, from what I, I, I don't know about that particular case, but I know they shove different species together in zoos. And yeah, they get along just right. sort of fine. So it's Oh, like, do they? It's just sort of yeah, it's it's a license. It's a bit of dramatic license for the film. Yeah. But I know Well, they might. talk about getting on fine. Um uh basically Oh yeah, Mumbles he hangs out, he has a good time, he has his Akuna Matata moment mm. with the amigos. And they go they go uh sledding together. And they cause an avalanche. Uh, but also the avalanche might be because of them, but it also might be because of global warming. Or the, or the aliens. Broadly, the aliens. Or the aliens, yeah. yeah. And uh, they fall into the sea, and you see in a very wide shot, like the penguins fall into the sea, and they also, uh, a giant digger, it's like a human digger, yeah. falls into the sea with them. Big old JCB. And yeah, and this seems to be the purpose of this seems to be it's pointing at I don't know human uh, colonization of the planet um, and kind of uh, exploitation of the planet. Um, but also, this scene seems to be here just to remind, yeah, to inspire Mumbles. Well, I think it's the humans have got something to do with the fish shortage, and it, he has a little moment when. They've fallen into the sea with the digger and he almost gets caught in the in the scoop in mm. the bucket. Um and then he sees a little hula like a is it a Hawaiian hula skirt girl? 
Yeah, little um, one of those little dashboard. One trinkets. of those models. Yeah. Yeah. Little bobblehead thing. And so he says to um, Ramana, "I really think the humans have got something to do with these these uh, mystic beings. Have got something to do with the fish shortage." Um, and the amigos say, "Well, Lovelace knows everything. You should go and see Lovelace. He's a prophet." Mm. And this is uh, Robin Williams' uh, second problematic uh, voice yeah. uh, <laughs> performance in this film. Because he's essentially, as we mentioned earlier, he's playing Isaac Hayes. He's he's doing a sort of um sort of uh, faith healing Southern Baptist revival type figure. Yeah, mixed with Isaac Hayes. Right. Yeah. Because he just likes to he's got have a, sex with yeah, as many penguins as he can. He's got a big gang. Of, of <laughs> he's got Harim. Yeah. Um, and he's a rock hopper penguin. What do you know? What's your research told you about them? Uh, they also exist. Yeah, it's a kind of penguin. but are there are there like relatively fewer of them are they more like uh are they loners in comparison to like emperor penguins for example because this is the only rock hopper we meet in the whole film they are they are in danger this guy fucks yeah (laughs) (laughs) but he seems to fuck other species Oh, yeah, I know they, they are endangered. They uh, Wikipedia, oh, like at the top of the page, just says yeah the numbers have declined ninety percent since nineteen fifty, right? Um, and they yeah. are classified endangered. So yeah, well they're, anyway, they're, they're rarer. He's he's a a Southern Baptist prophet type, who um, who has a beer can ring stuck around his neck. Mm. But he, the way he tells it is that he was ordained by a, one of the mystic beings. So it's kind of invoking a prophet who's, you know, he's been spoken to by God and been ordained by God. And that's what gives him his mm. power. But he's clearly a fraud. So, I mean, he's clearly a fraud and he's using his status uh, just to have as much sex as he can. <laughs> it's really, mm. it's really grim, really, when you think about it. Yeah, um, it's just, yeah. That's uh, that's another thing that I actually clocked uh, that George Miller seems to be very interested in. And again, it's in all of the Mad Max films. George Miller loves um, constructing um, uh, systems of belief and faith. He loves constructing religions um, uh, in usually in kind of a desperate uh kind of savage wasteland type situation so in in uh in mad max you have all these characters who worship uh the v8 engine um and they cars and motors are their uh kind of religion and uh in this you have you've got this penguin that you know deifies human beings and and you know a, a beer can it's you know using something that uh that's not for its original purpose not really understanding its original purpose and putting divine importance on it like the mm. beer can uh, uh and f- yeah and for ring. us as the audience yeah. it's automatically yeah we we see through it straight away and it's like laughable it's a sort of yeah. cargo cult looking thing where um Cargo cult. I'm glad you know about them too. I I, I only just learned about them. What, tell me about the cargo oh, cult. Yeah. So um, a cargo cult, if you don't know, is um in the Second World War, uh, the Americans 
like took over they they seized lots of land in the Pacific and tiny islands that were populated by previously uncontacted people um yeah. and you know the Americans just rocked up with a whole load of military hardware um and landed and then you know when the and the finished, Japanese too mm. as well and when and the it war was... finished they all just abandoned the place uh, and disappeared yeah so... and it's kind of comparable to you it, it, having a, a previously uncontacted like society of of indigenous people um being contacted by these two superpowers enormously technologically advanced superpowers it almost is like being uh visited by aliens and kind of yeah dominated by aliens you know and they would set up yeah airfields air uh, just airfields you know, small military yeah. bases just temporary yeah. stuff um so you and then then, but then yeah. after the war ended they just they all left yeah they abandoned the place and um anthropologists have seen since then that uh that a lot of these sort of small sort of isolated tribes um try to manifest cargo to appear they've they've understood from talking these people that cargo is something that comes from the sky in in airplanes and you know it brings food and equipment so they've tried to manifest it by building their own airfields and airplanes yeah. and with, sort with of sticks. praying and yeah so it's yeah yeah it's yeah one of these one of these cults is called um the john from cult cargo cult and it's Essentially, because um, an American soldier whose name was John, um, when he first met these indigenous people, and they they thought of him. I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to say they thought of him as a god, but, <laughs> but I don't know. They seem to have made a, some sort of a deified him in some way. But um, they, uh, he said, "Hi, my name's John, John from America." And they just thought his name was John Frum. So it's there's a whole religion built around this guy called John Frum. Mm. And they build uh, airstrips and and they 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 make like fake like machine guns out of twigs and yeah, yeah. which is I mean it's perfect fodder if, if for like neo colonialist mindset if you believe that these are poor starving people that need like privileged westerners to go over and save them from from their poverty yeah um instead of i mean i think the correct interpretation of the whole thing is it's all incredibly sad mm. well, just let just let that sit there um, yeah well you know however you want to find uh, meaning and purpose in life mm. who cares if it's from uh, John from mm. personally uh, I I like um, video games and yeah. coffee and stuff <laughs> I mean I think it'd be quite fun to sort of pretend I'm an American soldier and build a runway out of twigs and yeah i mean we have you, have you ever seen the gods must be crazy no i've not heard of that what is it it's a namibian film 
and it's about a um, uh, an indigenous Namibian man who finds one day finds a coke bottle I haven't seen it but um, he finds a coke bottle and he doesn't know what it is and he thinks it must be from the gods and they he and his tribe build an entire religion around this coke bottle mm. so the same kind of thing I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna watch this film uh, at some point that does sound interesting I'm, I'm gonna make a note of that yeah an international co-production of South Africa and Botswana um, set in South Africa the film stars Namibian sand farmer oh I don't know how to say that name he's a hunter-gatherer whose tribe discovers a glass bottle dropped from an airplane. Yeah. Yeah, so Cargo Cult, the movie. Let's watch mm. it together. Um, anyway, back to Happy Feet. Yeah, you've got Loveless, who is Isaac Hayes, Southern Baptist faith healer type figure, clearly a fraud, uh, has this can holder plastic ring thing around his neck um, and says it's a... It's a necklace that the gods have bestowed upon him. And there's this yeah. motif, this um, trope you've seen before of um, he's he's like this, this worshipped faith leader and there's a massive queue of people who all, all queue up to, to ask him their questions. And, mm. yeah, and a queue to... of women to have <laughs> sex with him. <laughs> <laughs> this but, is a children's yeah. movie, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But like you queue for days and days and get to the front and like yeah he's, yeah he's and clearly... mumble asks him mumble asks him about the mystic beings mm. where can he find them and he won't he'll just he's quite vague about it and he won't he won't tell them uh, tell him about it so mumble decides um <clears throat> to go back to his colony um and try to uh yeah um well he's ba oh yeah we forgot one important thing the the amigos which is the name of the group of adeli penguins that um that he's fallen in with they all think his tap dancing is awesome they love it they yeah. think it's really cool and they encourage him and it's the first time that he's been he he's been told that his natural talent is is worth something uh, it's valid mm. um and they're, they're sort of in the same boat as him so when they when they get back to the the whole colony of adelis they're all busy like doing their mating ritual which is the males collect rocks Collecting and pebbles. try and make a nest yeah. and yeah. attract females with like how good their nest is and this little group have decided to forego that and just rely on personality and they catcall yeah. random women. Yeah. Per personality equals catcalling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which. Yeah, so work. they're also sort of outcasts as well. Yeah. But, but uh, people sort of tolerate them yeah. um, better than. And it emerges that, you know, um, Mumble says he can't sing and he needs to be able to sing to get a mate. And yeah, so they say we'll help you. Yeah, and they go back. Don't worry about it. We'll help you out. So they go back, and uh, Mumble sings for Gloria, but he's not really singing. It's Ramon is singing 
and he's kind of hugging his back. He's hiding behind his back. Yeah, and he does. My and Gloria's way in kind Spanish. of disappointed. Yeah, um, and then Mumble desperately dances for her, and this is the moment when she sings her um, heart song, which isn't somebody to love. It's, it's Boogie Wonderland. Yeah, even though she. Somebody to Love was her first heart song. I think she's no, got was, lots of heart songs. It was it was Boogie Wonderland when she was little in singing class right. with with Miriam. But her graduation her graduation was Somebody to Love. Yeah, but yeah. her heart song is the verse of Boogie Wonderland, and yeah. she does it again, and Mumble dances along, and they. Uh, and there's a there's yeah. a line in the song which explicitly says you've got to dance, which right? they only get to now. Now it's the chorus because they've yes. they've found each other, and that and that can work in harmony with Mumble's dancing. So he does it, and then somehow, despite um, you know, I'm assuming centuries of tradition <laughs> of of. Of, of of dancing being a, a massive taboo it's it's pagan it's wrong <laughs> it's 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 um it's too easy <laughs> it's not disciplined we must only sing uh despite all of that somehow because she's singing boogie wonderland and because uh mumble is tap dancing everyone starts dancing it's kind of a a, a indication it's, it's kind of demonstrating how fickle these kind of trends yes. are i guess if the popular yeah. kids are doing it then it's it's cool now but the el- the elders led by hugo weaving's um uh noah um they uh, obviously disapprove and noah says that the reason that um that you know uh, we've been the reason that we have a famine now that we've we've got no more fish to eat is because of we've we've displeased the great Gwyn. and you you've displeased him by your backsliding your foreign friends have led us into their easy ways <laughs> it's a pretty pretty terrible uh, uh racial stereotypes here um yeah. and your pagan dancing has caused the famine um so it's, yeah, pretty I mean, on the it's nose. In, it's in context. Yeah, they they're clearly a bunch of a, yeah a bunch of deeply xenophobic penguins, and they yeah they blame it on the Adelis and on and on Mumble and yeah. Also, this is then, I think this must have been the first time I heard the word backsliding, which I've only otherwise yeah. heard like on the internet among like certain, and, um, certain faith groups. And in There Will Be Blood. Yeah, yeah. I will never backslide. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, uh, and so Memphis, Mumble's father, I mean, he really could step in and defend his son, but he doubles down with the with the uh, uh, the elders and, and says, I agree, you, you've... Mm. Um, you've got to stop dancing. It's It's wrong. It's not the penguin way. And uh, and then he confesses to having dropped the egg, uh, and that's why. <laughs> but it's just kind of interesting that you know the whole problem here is that is that um, is that Mumble is an individual who wants to uh, be self determined, uh, 
as in opposition to the group um or he's just inherently he's just different and all of this comes from memphis's uh kind of daydreaming his individualistic daydreaming of 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 uh, thinking about what's his name norma jean uh, what's her name yeah norma jean. Norma jean. and um and uh so it seems like uh this is all a result of of uh of the need for the individual to uh kind of self-determine in a way do you know what i mean yeah it's yeah he's got this um He's a victim of uh, uh, Memphis. We're we're all victims of 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 culture and of yeah. He's he's tradition. Really, he's deeply ashamed because he's made this mistake that is it's unclear whether it's really a mistake. But he believes he dropped his egg and and he's a sinner and evil and he's as a result fully bought. He's deeply ashamed and is bought in totally to this um, religion whatever yeah. whatever group faith they have and you know to the extent that he's he's willing to abandon his son and yeah you know back back the the group leader as against the wishes of his boy which is yeah so, sad and realistic so mumble um uh says don't ask me to change pa because i won't so he's really quite a headstrong see uh, as I kind of said in our last episode, you often, oftentimes you have uh, that your main character of a film is someone that goes on a journey of, of change, um, spiritual change. But really, at this po- by this point in the film, obviously Mumble has had to learn to believe in himself, but he's already done that now, and he's just on a mission. He's he's sort of like a, he's about to go on a hero's journey he's decided he thinks that the famine is because of the aliens so he's going to go off and and try and um appeal to the aliens um so you're saying better, he's like this what what was the phrase you nature. used last week is that like a, a he's a, like a uh, a saint a yeah, saintly a character saint, saintly protagonist is that a technical a term saintly protagonist. In, in the in the literature well he's like a messiah really mm. um he you know he's kind of like neo but or or Luke Skywalker, but whereas yeah, <laughs> but but the thing is, Neo needed to learn. Um, uh, he needed to know and act on. He needed to learn that the world around him is not a, is fake, and he needed to learn to yeah, essentially believe in himself and believe that he is the one, and nobody else can tell him that he's the one. It's he needs to know it for himself. And so, and the same with Luke Skywalker, he needs to learn to believe in himself and trust in the force. But Mumble here is pretty much, he's different from the beginning. He's outcast from the beginning. He's sad about it, but there's never really any doubt as in him uh, as to the way he is, is, is being, is wrong. And so he pretty much knows himself from the beginning. He's sad about being outcast, but He's on his he's on his mission and he doesn't really change at all. Yeah, he is someone who who other characters around him change and learn. Hmm. I never found um, him a particularly like. A, uh, he's, he's not very exciting as a protagonist. He's not. He's not like. A, uh, yeah, I've. I 
don't know. I don't know what more to say about it. He's he's uh, yeah. I, I I found it quite dull. I wasn't totally invested in him as a character, and I didn't 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 love the well, journey. Well, there's a, there's a know, scene coming up where he really tries to define himself because uh, <laughs> uh, I found it quite shocking. Um, he uh, so he's completely banished, mm. uh, and Mumbles is now. Uh, determined to get answers out of Lovelace as to the you know the nature and the whereabouts of of the aliens so he revisit he revisits Lovelace and Lovelace is uh is now choking I'm assuming it's because he's growing he's grown bigger he's mm. grown fatter maybe he's become swollen with sexual energy <laughs> yeah um. yeah and um, and so, which means the plastic ring around his neck is now choking him, and he can't speak. And Mumble reasons that, well, maybe the aliens can help; they can remove the plastic ring. Um, so let's go look for them together. And they all set out on a on a journey. And this is it's about halfway through the film, but this is when you know he goes on the Joseph Campbellian hero's journey of. Uh, young man going out into the world leaving the tribe to eventually save the tribe mm-hmm. um uh, that's a very uh it's a mythological um story um and uh gloria chases after them this is uh for all intents and purposes the the romantic interest mm. um the girl and um she wants to join them now up until that she's clearly she's very talented at singing so she is uh, uh accepted by the tribe she's what is expected of her amongst the tribe which mumble clearly isn't he's just been banished but the whole film she's been good friends with him um she's always been sort of supportive she clearly likes him she's been kind to him there's never really been a bad note and now here she is and she wants to join him on his quest and there's you know there's been a lot of talk about um how women in films in cinema are kind of banished to the sidelines they never get to go on adventures it's always men doing it and this scene in a children's movie (laughs) like explicitly said says you're a woman, you just want to have kids. I know you don't think you want to have kids now and you want to come on an adventure, but you will in the future. And it's just, it's all very... Um, uh, this, is a, this is a weird choice. This, 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 <laughs> yeah. this is I like, mean, like, no, no, we're having the boys club. We're doing... Yeah, we're, we're doing having Harry the boys the club. Hendersons. We're going to Harry <laughs> and the Hendersons you away so we can go off us boys and have the adventure. And yeah, and but she's she's not really done. Yes, she's good at singing, right? And maybe that kind of that that's clearly it's ideologically in opposition to he. She's someone that fits in with the tribe, and he doesn't. So obviously that's an issue. But she's always been supportive and kind to him, and she's making it clear that she's up for it. I'm up for this adventure. I want to follow you because I love you. Mm. And he just like acts like uh, a really snarky little teenage boy. That's it's basically the nerd um, who's 
uh, having a go at the popular well, girl. It's well, no, it's it's. I was confused by this as well, but like like it's made clear in like a bit after this, like in the seconds after she leaves, that he's doing it as an act to get her to go back. It's it's a Harry and the Hendersons thing. I've, is that a reference? I I only know this. I trope. I don't actually know what you mean by Harry and okay. the Hendersons. <laughs> I only know this trope by reference to that movie, which I haven't seen. Harry and the Hendersons is a movie where they there's a family and the dad is John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Yeah, they find, um, yeah, and they, and they he, find Bigfoot. Yeah, they find Bigfoot, and at the end, spoilers, 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 but um. <laughs> uh, they have to make him go back to the woods to save him. Oh, and, yeah. And right. he won't go of his own accord. So John Lithgow has to pretend that they don't want him around anymore and they hate him now. Yeah. Um, and that makes him go away. And it's, yeah, it's okay. heartbreaking. Well, that's but... definitely what Mom was doing here. But yeah. also, but, but, but why, though? Why does he... Is it out of concern for her safety? Yeah. Because right. she's just a weak woman who can't offer anything and will just get in the way. And she won't listen to reason, so we're going to have to bully her into yeah, going away. Yeah, yeah. But he says, he says, I'm a particular kind of guy, the kind of guy that needs his own space. <laughs> his own space. Yeah. This... It, it just really smacked of um, kind of an embittered... Uh, in, in nerdy adolescent guy. incel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's who's who's, and she's like an adult woman now because she's she's now got her slick penguin skin, and he's still got his adolescent fluff, oh. <laughs> and it's he's yeah. punishing the popular girl for being popular, and the... and she's but she's clearly there's never been any reason for him to doubt her um, loyalty to him. Mm. And yet he's treating her like this. And, and it's essentially, it's very clearly saying adventures aren't for girls. Only men can go on mythical heroes' journeys. Right. And that's yeah. what this is. It's a mythical hero's journey to go out and save the tribe. Well, the, um, the, the, other, the other read of this is that this whole him dancing and being shunned is like code for he's... he's, um, he's gay and closeted and is right it's possible yeah. that's what they're going for or that's like a thing and he's wow that i hadn't thought of that like like he's he only really pursues her because he feels like he should and yes, it's at this point right. where he's accepted and being shunned that he's fully comfortable with who he is yeah and maybe he genuinely and this doesn't is the real... her around anymore yeah, but he still, but he still fancies her though, and he really hopes that she's available when he gets back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's yeah. it's weird, but this is definitely a real character-defining scene where he's decided to kick against tradition, um, and define himself uh, as uh, Happy Feet, the tap dancing penguin that's going to go and tell the, ask the humans to not fish so much. This movie's bonkers. It's wild. It's so... <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Um, okay, immediately after this, you know how um, it's just... There's some really bizarre bro talk. Um, <laughs> like, they've just left. They've left her. He's just been really mean to her and sent her back to the tribe. And then Ramon... Is talking about his 
relationship problems and it it just made me think about other children's animated films animated films and the kind of um you know banter that you'd have between characters um and usually it's quite kind of clear like you know clearly well written like uh child-friendly jokes right Mm. and in this you've got this (laughs) you've got robin williams doing a now offensive mexican accent (laughs) um uh saying uh she said I was making her nauseous, so I went quiet and moody-like. And then she said, I never share. I've got to let it out. So I let it out. And But he's despair. He's despairing about that. And it seems to be... If I'm reading it correctly, it's like, um, you know, women women complain to us men about not being... Not sharing and not being emotionally open and, and vulnerable. But then when we are, they don't like it and it's too much. They don't they don't want to hear or they're you know they they disapprove of what we say maybe i'm reading too much into it but i I just found it just a bizarre and then he says i never have a good relationship in my life it's like this is really odd bro banter for a child's movie yeah it's 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 some weird covert messages there that's not that's not healthy yeah it's definitely the gang on the boys gang uh Mm. no girls allowed on an adventure I think, I mean, I mean, yeah, this is me from my point of privilege and not having any, like, state skin in the game of, of, like, who can do what accents. But I think Robin Williams in 2004 has enough goodwill amongst the world at large that I think he's allowed to do whatever accents he wants. That's, yeah, I yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's probably... That's probably why this film is still very popular, and that's it's okay. And when I was saying problematic, I just merely meant that that kind of thing wouldn't fly nowadays. Yeah, um, you wouldn't be able to. I think even if Robin Williams was still about, like, um, rest in peace, uh, I don't think people would ask him to do uh, an Isaac Hayes impression or. No, a, yeah. a stereotypical um, Latin accent, but yeah, who's to say? I think he does do it. The thing is, the accents are very—they're very—they are broad stereotypes. Uh, yeah, but he does imbue them with a kind of humanity and sympathy and dignity. I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think Loveless is—they are is, quite. Is one of my favorite characters I, f- I found him the most compelling character in the film i'll be honest just because he's like it's the story of this fraud who is yeah initially motivated by you know desire for power and and manipulating masses and is found out and decides to help and out shamed. and change yeah. yeah his his journey is and then, compelling and then he decides to tell the true story of the new messiah the new tap dancing mm. messiah mm. andy dufresne the tap yeah. dancing penguin god there's so much religious allegory yeah. in this <laughs> um i've only just noticed that yeah so he's essentially he used to be a pagan Oh, maybe that's why the Empire pe- Emperor penguins think of the Adelie penguins and the Rockhopper penguins as as um, pagans. 
right cause because they, yeah they don't have they don't have the religion they just worship this this weirdo yeah yeah <laughs> who, who's clearly a fraud and is sleeping with yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so then are the is the great Gwyn is that analogous 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 to i don't know like like the roman gods and then now mumble is like jesus and he's coming christianity or (laughs) maybe no or he's no no because he's appealing to science isn't he so he's he's a secular messiah he's he's richard dawkins yeah, he's he's a tap dancing Richard Dawkins. <laughs> yeah, then they meet the elephant seals, mm-hmm. and they're very big and scary and intimidating. And they tell them uh, about their the human beings and where they can find them. They have to keep moving north across the tundra, and the humans have an annihilator, uh, which is some sort of a machine uh, that turns everything into fun food. I don't know why they say fun food do you know i don't know yeah i it didn't seem to make sense to yeah me. I, I don't know maybe it's an australian thing <laughs> um and yeah. mumble uh resolves to keep going on across the tundra to appeal to the aliens better nature um uh, they press on through the tundra here was another uh direct visual uh kind of comparison to mad max fury road um, when they're pressing across the tundra, the way that the ice and snow is blasting across and they're just pushing on through it, um, it called to mind the shot when Furiosa finds out that uh, the the green wetland uh, is no more and she's on the in the desert and the, the kind of sand is blasting. She kneels down and cries out and the sand blasts across the dunes and it's a very similar shot. Mm. Um, so they find uh, the, the first human outpost and what's the first thing they see? Is that a, is that a question? <laughs> yeah. Is that for me? Oh, is, is yeah. it, it's a whole load of ring pulls? Like, like no. ring things? No, no, before oh. that, before that. Dang. The first thing they see of human civilization. I don't remember. Bearing in mind that this is a film made by a guy who's clearly interested in tribes and systems of belief. The first thing they oh, see yeah, is a church. A church. Yeah. Which is, I don't know if there are churches in Antarctica. I don't know if... Well, you've got to have a church if you're a Russian whaling ship. Well, I know there's lots of, like, little outposts and stuff and, 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 like, research stations all over Antarctica and people, some people, like, live there for extended Well, it's clearly, it's clearly a deliberate choice. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if this film is trying to... Um, draw connections between human faith in Christianity. It's clearly a Christian church, and their um, kind of entitlement to dominate and exploit the planet, because the church is mm. clearly linked to the whaling, the shipyard, and which is clearly there's a massive whale carcass, and it's it's an abandoned shipyard, and there's blood everywhere, and it's. It's where right. they've been 
this is the annihilator well, certainly and i just thought to um it's definitely a decision to yeah. show a christian church is the first thing that you see and bearing in mind when you've you've been introduced to all these other the first thing that you've learned about all of the species so far or no the the emperors and the adelis is the first thing you've learned is their systems of belief yeah and how that dictates the, the way they interact with the world yeah they're all very um uh yeah the the different species are characterized with these different accents and have these separate belief systems yeah and i i guess this is the choice of here are humans this is our religion this is this is what yeah, our culture which looks is like exploitation <laughs> and domination and colonization they find this abandoned shipyard and then they find all this pollution and they find the beer can rings um, and think, right, this is the humans were here, but then they're not here anymore. And then some, there's another action sequence when they're attacked by killer whales. Mm-hmm. Um, quite reminiscent of uh, Free Willy. Yeah, they um, sort of play basketball, play tennis with them a little bit. It's a bit silly. They sort of bat the did, penguins around a bit. Oh, yeah, and then Lovelace is freed from the ring so he can mm. speak again. Um, and then the whaling ship arrives and scares the killer whales away. Mm. And um, they chase after it, but it's going so fast that they can't... Or the, the, the gang kind of decide that they can't keep up with it. And they just say, right, look, Mumble, you've come all this way. You've done everything everything you could possibly can to try and contact the humans but look at them they're really far away they're on the horizon now you know this is it this is the end of the line and they all decide to stay and mumble's like now i've got to finish this because i'm i'm the uh, Mm. i'm the secular messiah so he swims Um, off the whaling ship and yeah, he swims and the mumble, happy feet to <laughs> tap dancing to Craw- crawls through a thousand miles of ocean, comes out clean the other side. And Lovelace, uh, this is when he promises to tell his story, so that explains the the voiceover. Mm. Uh, mumble catches up to the whaling ship, uh, but. And he's caught in the net, but somehow he's spat back out again overboard. Um, I can't remember exactly how that happens. Yeah. All I remember of this but bit he... is he loses it. Um, it goes off without him, and he chases it across the ocean. Yeah, but he's he sort of takes being kind of caught up in their nets and dragged up onto deck and then only to being thrown over the edge. He takes that as the human being's indifference. And you have the voiceover explaining... Enraged by their indifference, he pushed on, <laughs> you know. So, um, and basically, he lands on a shore, uh, next to a factory near a city. Which I thought, I mean, it kind of looked like well, I guess it looked like any initially, I thought it was Manhattan, but later I learned that it was uh, Florida. Yeah, so he's landed on a beach in Florida That's and he's a picked up way. by a, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, north of the equator. <laughs> he's picked up by a uh, a little van, a little Land Rover, I think it is, or a, a Jeep of some kind. And he wakes up in what looks like Antarctica again. But he soon discovers that 
it's a it's a zoo enclosure and there are there are glass they've got their little snowy uh, uh, area and then they've got water to jump in and and it's all surrounded by glass and human beings are looking in and then in in a film that is basically void of uh, references to other films there is a a completely bizarre uh, reference yeah. to 2001 a space odyssey yeah it makes no <laughs> it, sense it's and, and not it's, at it's all really oblique as well like, like <laughs> there's no visual cue there's no big flashing red thing for how it's just another penguin saying it's but basically the 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 heavy lifting like the the storytelling the the thing that it needs to communicate to the audience is that they're in an enclosure in a zoo and the other penguins are not okay they they've sort of lost their minds and they're um you know they've been domesticated mm. and they're they're miserable and yeah they've gone mad basically and so George Miller <laughs> decided to uh, reference Hal the computer in 2001 while Hal is dying. And Mumbles asks, what is this place? And the guy just says, uh, it's heaven, Dave. He, he just says Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just Hal the voice does in... and the word Dave is the only, like common it's the only signifier that it's but there's no other apart from obviously the jukebox songs there's no other reference to other movies or other popular culture in this film it's quite good like that it's not yeah yeah. and i i quite enjoyed the fact that it's not winking at the audience it's quite a sincere film in that in that way it's not like Um, winking with pop pop culture references morgan freeman narration i guess you're right there yeah but Generally, the film doesn't have any pop culture references, and then suddenly it's the most oblique, obscure, like <laughs> Hal reference. It, it's bonkers. Anyway, and then, and then again, this is really dark. Um, he tries and he fails to alert the humans to their overfishing in Antarctica, mm. um, and because he just obviously he tries to tell them, but it just sounds to them like penguin squawking. I I well, um, well, 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 so I I remember watching this the first time. This is one of the bits that remind that I I do vividly remember watching the first time, and I just thought this movie has gone way off the rails. This is this is some trippy. This is this is wild at this point. It's just nonsense. Well, <laughs> like the when, next bit. Yeah, well, is well when he really sees the humans, mental. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So, oh man. So yeah, I, because so far you've had all the animals. They look relatively realistic. The way that they're designed and ele- uh, animated, mm-hmm. they look re- ever so slightly heightened. But in this, what with the human beings, have they literally just filmed real people, so, and then ever like added a layer of cgi animation over the top I think so so I'm, it's I'm really not, creepy I'm not, it's it's really odd yeah um so <laughs> i i think it's all the humans are largely live action but the yeah. first humans he sees is when he dives underwater and and tries to swim away and immediately bangs into the window and he sees his own reflection and a human yeah. through the window 
and it's yeah. a it's a woman at first and the woman looks cgi and she may or may not yeah. be it might just be like a really bad like low fidelity image because it's behind glass in the dark and you can't tell if it's cgi or not straight away and then a man appears yeah. as well and looks sort of similar um yeah and, then on, and then, then when you cut humans... to crowd shots later it does look like live action yeah. but i think it's overlaid with the sort of they've like a simplifying layer maybe of, but it's definitely make it like s- ever so slightly cartoonish yeah yeah and so you've got this basically it's a re- there's this really dark line that really stuck with me um where uh it's a yeah mumble mumble lost his voice and then lost his mind and he he's just stuck in this enclosure being fed all this fish and this brought to mind um uh because it basically he's being fed all this fish so fish is plentiful here and fish isn't plentiful at home and this brought to mind kind of the refugee crisis and survivors guilt of people that actually make it from the global south to the global north jesus because he's he's someone from the global south the global south is being exploited by the global north um for its uh resources and so people from the global south, even though they love their life in the global south, they, they don't have any more resources. So they need to go to the global north, mm. essentially economic migrants or um, or in many cases, refugees. And that's kind of what he's done. Right. And it just, that's a really interesting analogue. And then he's living much like a, a refugee has arrived in England and... The living in, you know, a very permissive, uh, progressive society with all of these things that are available. Um, and there are, that's not, but the thing is, refugees aren't given uh, a given pittance mm. uh, as like pocket money and they are not allowed to work. And so, okay, so there the analogue doesn't quite work. But essentially, you're living in a land of of plenty where people don't, really want for things um and you feel a certain guilt about the people back home that don't have all of this Mm. plenty um and that's kind of what's going on because he's got all the fish and and he sees a vision of his parents and he's like oh but there's plenty here for you too and he tries to give the the vision the ghosts of his parents some Mm. fish it's just really dark and sad but it really brought to mind that yeah this guy's a refugee yeah, but and, and also the the fact that refugees or like people from the global south who again sweeping generalizations and I don't mean to um, <laughs> it, 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 it people from the global south coming to live and try and get in on some of the action on on some of the 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 pie, but also living a kind of undignified life where they're hated and reviled yeah, and surroundings exploited. This sort of fake Antarctic-looking exhibit in a zoo. He's living in yeah. a, like a terrible, and you can see outside where all the you know actual happy people are, like <laughs> living living their lives, walking around, enjoying themselves. All the humans. Yeah. I wonder. If yeah, I like, think it's um, definitely there. 
Oh, am I reading too much if I'm like, well, yeah, his surroundings are like, what what is what is um, human culture, but like a pale imitation of of real other culture? Is 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 that this is just like, what what is there really? Uh, out in the the civilized world, oh, it's just a, a terrible appropriation of what we had at home already. Which right? Is, yeah. I guess yeah. Some people. For sure. Yeah. But also, you have the the problem of these these are human, and but they seem all to be white as well. <laughs> all the human beings in these scenes, so they are white colonizers who are colonizing the planet, but also particularly Antarctica. And we've seen that as, you know, they're overfishing in Antarctica, where they're also studying um, and they're also kind of mining there. Or like, what's that digger about? I'm not really sure. Um, And and generally speaking, the whole, like everything's melting and their ice caps are melting. And that's been, that's part of the avalanche earlier in the film. So it's all sort of connected to, um, the ecological crisis. There's just so many. <laughs> There's so much to unpack here. Global warming and like climate change and stuff is never really explicitly drawn out in the movie. Like, well, I, I don't think now it's ever clear that there's, like, melting ice or sea level rising or anything. There's no reference to any of that. It's only ever the... Fishing. No, but there are, there are there are definitely moments when um, ice is falling into the sea. There are shots of ice falling into the sea in such a way that it's, not, it's nothing to do with the direct story. It's, it's just to show, look, the ice caps are melting. I think that's, like... I mean, this was at a point in time when... Like, like it was only just becoming mainstream and for, for people to say like climate change is real I I get the impression mm. that that was like the inclusion of, of all the melting ice stuff is like covert enough that, that you know they can sell this movie to like undecided audiences yeah sure and, yeah and they've really simplified it mm. uh to just overfishing yeah yeah to make it kind of palpable for hardline american christians who um they're the main audience in america Mm. and and floridian uh zoo visitors who were yeah represented (laughs) um, magnificently in this very very (laughs) well so but this here comes the first of those massive zoom outs which so he's have he's had this vision of his parents he's got the survivor's guilt he's like oh i've you know i'm here in the land of plenty i've got all this food i i can't i want to give it to you and then he and then he slams into the wall and he shakes his head and then he slams into the wall again and when he slams into the wall of the enclosure excuse me when he slams into the wall of the enclosure the camera zooms out from the zoo into an aerial shot way, way above. Uh, and it's clearly Florida, the city of Florida from about cloud level. State. And state then of Florida. The, the state of Florida. And oh, yeah, of course, because the city is Orlando. Why am I? I'm it's such a doofus. In Orlando. Oh. I, I, I think I it's it was in Orlando. Unclear, but yeah. 
Right. I, yeah. Okay. I don't know. But he's in the state of Florida. Well, no, but it's it zooms out to the city first, and you can see the zoo, and you can see buildings and stuff, and then it goes blam and zooms out again to the uh, well to the to the entire country, and you can see all of North America, and then out again to reveal a planet in the infinite um, uh, universe galaxy, and. On first viewing, this sort of reads as a kind of a just speaking directly to us. What the, I'll ask you, what 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 does this mean to you? This this because it, it, it's very bold. You've just had this penguin who's been trapped in an enclosure, and he's sad about it, and he he he's trying to raise awareness about overfishing. And then suddenly you have this dramatic, really blows you out of your seat, zoom out that uh, goes from this zoo enclosure all the way out into space. What did that mean to you? It's not the first time he's done that. It's like that's a that's I think that's happened at least. A well, the movie of times. opens. Yeah, the movie no, opens no, that's with the that. first time. There's also the movie opens with it zooming in from outer space, right. but this is the first time within the film proper that it. Well, there's a, there's a shot where he's. When he's um, his friends have all left, and he's the only one left chasing the the whaling ship across the ocean. Yes, there's a there's yes. a scene there where it zooms out, and you can see the whole continent of Antarctica, and it it's like framed as he is right. swimming away to the edge of the world. It you can only see Antarctica and ocean, and he's just heading right. out across the ocean towards yes. I don't know where. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is but that, like that's more of a that that's definitely the purpose of that shot is clearly to show the the distance of the journey. Right. Like that has a purpose. But this zoom out seems to me to have a much more thematic purpose behind I it. But it's is... quite when I started thinking about it, I thought, well, what does it mean? And does it make sense? <laughs> well, I, I think it's partly a reply to that earlier one. Like it's well, where is he going? Oh here he is. <laughs> It's a little bit right. that, but yeah, mostly right. it's, it's. I think it's just echoing this refrain sort of again that like, here is the whole world. We are all just, you know, we're all just creatures riding this pale blue dot across the space. Kind of, is the general humanist yeah. secular message of you know environmental concern and to. I think it's sort of contrasting that with the shallowness of like sort of yeah ogling this penguin through glass in a zoo for your entertainment right yeah but it it kind of do you think there's any chance that it might be implying that maybe there are other larger beings out there that are bigger than us that may exploit and colonize us oh boy <laughs> you know other super predators because there's definitely definitely seems to be a hierarchy in this film, and maybe this is a good time to bring up a major problem that's been highlighted in a very interesting uh, essay I I found about this film, um, which is that essentially is there seems to be a natural hierarchy amongst all the species in this film, and the human beings are at the top, and they are the cause of all the problems for the creatures below them and each of the 
different species, um, they are anthropomorphized and they are subjectivized, like as in you, you're given some of their subjective experience. You, they are made alive to us. They're, they're made uh, sympathetic characters uh, by the animators. All except the fish. And yeah. the fish are the, <laughs> the base. Yeah. The, the, uh, he says in this... Uh, by the way, okay, so I found this essay by this guy called Yar, uh, Y-A-R, Habnegnal, H-A-B-N-E-G. Oh, I came across this, I think, a little bit. Did you read it? I haven't read it, no. I came across it, I saw it existed, yeah, and it's... So this guy um, has had quite a a full life. He's been an anarcho-fundamentalist, an anarcho-syndicalist, uh, but not as Noam Chomsky is a pacifist. Uh, in the 60s, he was a radical leftist. In the 70s, he's a queer performance artist. In the 80s, he was a radical right paramilitary neo Luddite, although he was probably working as a CIA, CIA agent then. He's now a CIA agent and he works for intelli- American intelligence apparatus. And he's a Buddhist and a vegan. Oh, that's, that's too many things. <laughs> it's a lot of things. So he sounds like quite a provocative individual. Um, um, and uh, I really urge anyone to look this up because he wrote an, he wrote an essay, a short essay about Happy Feet. Um, it's very interesting and provocative, but uh, I'll just read a little bit from it. Um, so just talking about how... Uh, Basically, all the species are uh, subjectivized in inanimated films. Uh, we value the songs of whales, the intelligence of apes, the loyalty of wolves, and now the family values of emperor penguins. These cultural signs indicate that we have distinguished these species from the base and have assigned them some degree of anthropomorphic subjectivity. But adopting commodity reification as method also diverts objectification towards yet another smaller species, a less charismatic species such as plankton. Will we next see a film about a heroic plankton, perhaps defending their children against the huge ravaging bald notathen? I guess that's a species of... um... Plankton-eating thing. So I thought that was a really interesting point that how just three years earlier, I think it was three, um, uh, Finding Nemo came out, and that's a movie that very much subjectivizes it, asks you to empathize with fish. Mm. And yet in this film, fish and under are um, uh, yeah. are objectified. Well, I, th- I, I guess um, that's part of the problem of making a movie. You've got to cram all this stuff into like an hour and a half of, of footage and there's only so much you can do. So you need to take some shortcuts. So I'm sure if you pushed sure. this guy... On his actual political beliefs and what message he's trying to put across with well, this movie, it, it just it just makes it, it it makes you like if there are definitely uh, some creatures, it, it's just interesting in in when you consider the hierarchy of the film mm. that if there is definitely a base that has no, um, that they don't have souls essentially. <laughs> 
um, then who gets to decide that? Obviously, the, the animators here have decided that, but surely when you represent um, uh, multiple layers of, of the natural order of the hierarchy and you, you're you saying that one hierarchy at the top is, is at fault and is exploiting and, and harming those below... Firstly, when you jump out to um, space, <laughs> you uh, and you draw attention to the fact that it's a small world, like that brings to mind that maybe there's some super predator out there that might exploit this smaller world. But also, it just um, I don't know invites one to question the legitimacy of the whole hierarchy and the and mm. the the decision to make fish and plankton um <laughs> if i were making this movie i don't think it yeah. would be particularly wild at this point or or not like an unreasonable next step to have an actual alien invasion and demonstrate that like yeah <laughs> just just like yeah overtly. for sure that would make he, a lot he more also, sense in this um essay he also goes into um uh, how in Madagascar they very nearly broke the taboo of having, you know, one anthropomorphized uh, sympathetic character uh, eating another anthropomorphized sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. And that's when Alex the lion is nearly tempted to um, eat his friend, the zebra, played by Chris Rock. I can't remember the character name. Chris Rock the zebra, yeah. Because... Because he misses having steak. Now, firstly, like we all know that, that steak comes from somewhere, you know. Mm. Like so, you know, it, it's like steak. These perfect steaks that he gets fed in the zoo, or live animals, which are his friends. But like, ultimately, the steak comes from somewhere that that is a live animal. I mean, but, yeah, we do know that, but it's kind of that's a truth that's kind of hidden from us, and we ignore conveniently. I guess. Yeah. But do you remember the the compromise that they make to stop Alex from eating his friends? Is it fish? I don't remember. It's fish. <laughs> it's and it's sushi and it's introduced to him by the penguins. Oh. <laughs> so it just right. seems that in cinema, fish don't have it too good. Like just <laughs> fish are just. Uh, it's agreed that yeah, we can't eat. We can't eat other animals, but fish, yeah, they're all right. They don't have souls, except for in Finding Nemo. It's just, I just imagine it must have been quite scary for children to 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 be taught by Finding Nemo that fish are sympathetic, and then to go and watch this it's, and it's odd have that, fish just be. It's odd that this guy specifically name checked plankton when there is famously a, a cartoon plankton in SpongeBob. Well, <laughs> that's true, but also. I'm really interested to watch Happy Feet 2 because Brad Pitt plays uh, oh, I, I a plankton. He plays a krill, doesn't he? Matt, oh, a krill. Brad Pitt and Matt right. Damon are in it. So I'm really excited to see Happy Feet 2. Ju- and it, I've heard it's not very good, but I, I just I want to see it because it is going to anthropomorphize and and subjectivize um creatures that are lower on the food chain than penguins Mm. and how how is that gonna work (laughs) in this whole hierarchy you know (laughs) like you know what this that's that's what i want to watch reminds me of this reminds me of um 
that scene in The Lion King that has become sort of a meme now where Simba and Mufasa are, you know, learning about the circle of life. And mm. and Simba says, but dad, don't we eat the antelope? And he says, yeah, but then we die and our bodies decompose and become grass and the antelopes eat the grass. Mm. And, you know, the meme is like, well, that hardly seems like it counts. This this circle of life seems awfully linear. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> yeah. the antelope and they actually, that that's the one line that I think is really good in the remake. Simba is explaining the circle of life to Timon and Pumbaa and Pumbaa oh yeah Pumbaa says yeah that doesn't really sound like a circle it sounds more like a pyramid (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it was good that they kind of tackled that (laughs) oh I just saw the waveform on my my recording software when I laughed just then it's terrifying (laughs) (laughs) all right we're we're near the end. Mm. Um, we've we've gotten existential. Let's pull it back to the film now. So um, <clears throat> we've got the epic zoom out he, to Florida Zoo. He dances. Oh yeah, one day he taps. One day a little girl taps on the window, and he's really sad. But this little girl taps on the window, and he begins to tap dance. And the little girl loves it. And then she goes to get her parents, and then they go get loads of other people, and the human beings go mad for it. And it's this tap dancing penguin. And then you cut to however long it is later, like months later or something later. Yeah, uh, he's and he's yeah. dropped back. And he arrives back at the colony and Gloria uh, welcomes him and, and he's disappoint He's disappointed to find out that Gloria is with some somebody, but then it turns out to be a fake out, and and she's not really with this guy. Um, she's just teaching a class of children. The children aren't hers; they're her school children. So she's still available, and Mumble is quite excited about that. She saved herself for him. That's nice. Yeah, um, good. Keep yourself as, pure, as girl. she should. Yeah, 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 and then. Um, and then Mumble tells the colony that, look, the human beings are coming and uh, we've got a tap dance together to appeal to their better nature. <laughs> um, and uh, and the elders object, but somehow uh, Mumble convinces everyone to dance anyway. And then the elders start singing and then they find a harmony in the dancing and the singing. Um. Then Mumble's dad apologises and said, I, I never did write by you. Um, and there's that reconciliation there. And then the humans arrive. And the humans look like aliens. They 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 arrive on this helicopter, I guess? Yeah. And they come out and they're wearing these big puffy parkas. They're, they're all the same yeah. colour and they just look like blobs with a little face hole. And you only see them at a distance, so they're not like identifiable as individual humans. They're just sort of these little blobs, which is a weird yeah. choice, considering we've already seen some humans. Okay. And they, and the penguins do, they essentially do the Beijing Olympics opening ceremony. Yeah, they, they do that. <laughs> it's some terrifyingly it's coordinated this... <laughs> <laughs> stuff. And the humans join in. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, in this essay he says, 
On the one hand, the mass choreography is reminiscent of mass rallies. Nuremberg, May Day and Red Square and Tiananmen Square and the American Rose Bowl and the Singapore National Day Parade. But on the other, it calls up scenes of white explorers discovering the ritual celebrations of primitive, generally black cultures depicted in the films such as King Kong, a trope that's also used in the cartoon Madagascar. In this case, though, the scientists are portrayed as utterly benign and curious, and the survival needs of the penguins are represented as consistent with global ecological science. We must assume that the sudden appearance of Homo sapien at a penguin colony also augurs the end of their wilderness and inaugurates a new period of human domination. When the electronic tracking device on Mumble's back is detected by the other penguins, one of the elder penguins accurately assesses the coming subjugation of their colony. You led them here. You turned them on your own kind. Survival trumps self-determination, a position faced by many of the world's endangered species, which we have colonised and placed in reserves or zoos. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, this is this is like the the mirror of I don't know. Yeah, that that motif you get in like King Kong, or I'm thinking of the Temple of Doom. Like towards the end, you get you know these these this uh, other culture. I guess here we're talking about penguins, but I, I don't know some some natives somewhere have some weird religious ritual. But we see it through the eyes of some white explorers who have stumbled upon it and are pe- peering out of the shadows. And subjectively, we're you know we're following Indiana Jones as he sneaks behind some rocks and sees Gallimard yeah. rip the heart out of some poor little boy in a human sacrifice or something. Yeah. And here, we're seeing the opposite side of that. The yeah, all the natives are like, quick, the, the white saviors are coming. We need to get ready to welcome them. <laughs> well, we need to tap dance for yeah. them. <laughs> and the, the, yeah, the, so, the evil bad guy saying, oh no, some fucking colonizers are here to come and subjugate us. And yeah. which is. I mean, he's to... right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I exactly. Think that... and, and, yeah, the. the it's it's a bit twisted, isn't it? <laughs> the, the... This this kind of leads quite beautifully on. I just feel a responsibility to read this very interesting uh, political critique of um, Happy Feet on our podcast. That's apparently about cartoons and politics. Um, yeah, this leads quite kinda. nicely onto the final uh, paragraph of the essay, which is pretty provocative indeed. But I find it very interesting. <clears throat> The unspoken subtext of these animal representations are, of course, the discourses of identity, gender, sexuality, race, class, colonialism. Perhaps it would have been more honest if Mumble took off his penguin mask to reveal a black dancer after his tap dance numbers that so entertained the predominantly white audiences in the aquarium and the white scientists in Antarctica, especially as the songs that he's singing to are R&B hits. His subjugation and subjectification were both physical and linguistic, providing a spot-on illustration of Leotard's notion of the differend. 
in which the abject are simultaneously interpolated and forced into silence by a cultural, physical or economic differential that reduces communication to unisonance. Mumble is appropriately named after the mumbling child who is developmentally constrained from speech, the slave or servant economically constrained from talking back. Leotard argues that the differend is the unstable state and instant wherein something which must be able to be put into phrases cannot yet be. His examples of this condition include the revisionist denial of the reality of the Nazi gas chambers because of the absence of survivors offering eyewitness accounts. The dilemma faced by the group of Australian Aboriginals constrained by ritual traditions from speaking for land rights in court. Indeed, as an Australian production, the about-to-be-colonised penguins in Happy Feet recall Aboriginal and Pacific Island colonisation. In particular, the cultural indoctrinations into white language, music and belief supplied to the approximately 100,000 stolen generation of Aboriginal children between 1910 and 1971. Applying the lessons we learned from Happy Feet, perhaps if the Jews had learned to tap dance mutely in the gas chambers, they might too have been saved. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. pretty heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... I found it a very interesting read. I mean, What's your take I on that? I don't totally disagree. It's all... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I do find this movie, like, really unsavoury once you start picking at it a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really yeah, really well, on the nose is, like, the ve- the very ending of the movie, which is right now, is there's a sort of montage of... Well, yeah, so they they tap dance like a mass rally. And then there's a montage of all the world leaders at the UN just arguing, well, should we stop fishing? No, of course we shouldn't. And And then they all agree. And and, uh, there's a weird mashup of songs and, and, and... and uh, there's uh, all protesters and political discussion and, and, you know, radio pundits and stuff. And and the final image is, is happy penguins dancing and eating fish. So it's... Well, the, the UN decide to reduce fishing and then there's a line, a Beatles lyric mm. that's really emphasised by um, Lovelace, which is the love that you take is equal is only equal to the love that you make um which is a bit weird coming out of the mouth of uh, a fraudulent prophet who <laughs> uses his status to have, a re- reformed to have sex with as many women as possible <laughs> at this point reformed but yeah point taken <laughs> <laughs> reformed yeah oh. so um yeah, it's all just quite bananas. And basically, they they just the humans decide to stop fishing, yeah. overfishing, and then the penguins can sing and dance, and which is exactly and there's plenty of fish to yeah. eat. And then it zooms out to space, which is exactly what happens in real life. The humans dis- yeah. dis- discover an ecological problem and put it right straight away without any regard to their like what it might cost them. Or yeah, I mean, it's a very naive idea that human beings are just another tribe with whom we can reason like that like well i mean that's kind of why i read out the that essay Mm. because it does 
it, I mean, it's very on the nose, but it does make a point. If you're subjugated, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's just utterly naive and kind of problematic to, to kind of present the idea that the subjugated people can just appeal to the better nature of the ones who are subjugating them even though it's all completely intentional i guess in the film it's not it's not it's it's made like uh the overfishing is completely accidental it's it's not intended to subjugate at all and if only we'd have known that you know we're raping the planet my my, my interpretation was it's deliberately over the top unrealistic to demonstrate how hurtful we're being like that like look 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 at this isn't this exactly what we should reasonably do and look how unrealistic it looks isn't for that sure sad? that i think that's how i yeah. view it at least I'm, or, or yeah. and there's i'm being overly generous and it is like oh if only we knew about the problem all along we would have put it right straight away well do you think that a film like this has caught do you think that all those kids that were inspired to go on school strike, uh, partly by uh, Greta Thunberg, do you think that those kids were inspired by films like this? Because they would have been the right age, uh, you know, like oh. early, you know, 10, 11, 12, you know, when this film came out. No, honestly, no. I think this does, like, the least work towards that. I think mostly... Mm-hmm. Um, I get the impression from, I don't know, not knowing anyone in person and reading shit online that um, all young people are just incredibly depressed because it's so obvious <laughs> from, I don't know, yeah. the headlines yeah. in the popular totally. culture and stuff that, that we're just killing the planet and no one is doing anything. Um, that They're just kind of resigned to disaster tactics now. This is like last resort stuff yeah um yeah i i i think like an inconvenient truth and march of the penguins and stuff is and movies like this are like just yeah it's just sort of the message hardly really matters it's just extra noise in the like the grander scheme of things yeah and and recently seaspiracy wasn't it i liked seaspiracy it had lots of problems but i mean that was that was particularly radical in that you know it was suggesting actual action and the actual action it was suggesting was stop eating fish, which is like yeah. which is a lot. That's a big thing to want to want people to do, and it made a good case for it. Yeah, for sure, and it's um, it's interesting how the fish yet again in, even in this instance the fish are always the base. You know when people are talking about um, giving up meat. Mm. You know, the first one that you give up is probably beef, then pork, then chicken. And fish is always the base. And we even have a word for it, pescatarian. Mm. You know, um, I still haven't given up eating we, fish. There's a lot. I, 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 yeah, I've, me, I've, me neither. I've given up drinking milk. I don't have milk anymore. And I, I still eat fish, yeah. which is like a weird line Same here, for me yeah. to draw for myself in retrospect well i mean i've drawn that line i don't even i don't call myself anything and i don't i guess i don't draw a line and we're all just we're all just people you know just trying to get along in this crazy world (laughs) (laughs) Um. 
but there are a few like times when people will make me or order me and I'll I'll eat it so I'm not strict about anything mm. but yeah generally speaking I I don't um I find I just love fish so much I don't know about yeah, we're, we're pushing <laughs> we're pushing up. two and a half hours on the clock here I mean after editing Mate, I'll I come think down. we're done but do you want to do you want to yeah. play my dumb game and and we'll get out of here oh yes yes I'm so glad we've got the game <laughs> great awesome yeah, just to put a an up excited. an uptick on the end of this dismal, depressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get we'll get away from the gas chambers. <laughs> the gas chambers and the, <laughs> and the, colonial, the colonialism yeah. and, and yeah climate disaster. But you know, even if uh, so, I, you didn't like the film, right? But uh, uh, yeah. I just think this is a fascinating film to talk it is, about. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I don't <laughs> yeah. find it particularly entertaining as like a piece of entertainment. Right. It's not like gripping, but like the messages and the the like there's this um there's this saying like fling enough shit at the wall and some of it will stick so yeah, this is yeah, this is yeah. like a fling a shit at the wall movie it's a just like just like darren aronofsky's mother <laughs> <laughs> mm. what what would your um pairing be for this i mean obviously yeah, right. mad max fury road right well, maybe maybe the gods must be crazy. Oh, good point. Yeah, let's let's um, play my dumb game. Guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're playing. Welcome to yeah. Penguin yeah. or Penglues. Uh, a list of fun facts about penguins, some of which are true and some are false. Uh, you've done the first one already. Um, the portrayal of emperor penguin mating in Happy Feet is accurate. True or false? Uh, true it is yeah um, i mean they do they do sing and dance in real life to attract mates yay uh the portrayal of a deli penguin mating in happy feet is accurate true or false uh true true it is they collect rocks and make nests and try and show off uh penguins drink seawater true or false um true it is true they have a special gland that secretes a, a, a chemical that filters out salt from seawater so when they take they take it in when they like eat stuff and it's rendered neutral um and desalinated in their digestive system and they drink wow. salt water wow it's awesome some penguins can actually fly uh in non-antarctic climates it's the air pressure that keeps them from being able to true or false oh wow um false yeah it is i made that one up yeah yeah the, the good try though yeah. if you'd have if that was the first question i would have probably gone with it mm. Um, yeah. Emperor yeah. penguins form lifelong monogamous breeding pairs. True or false? True. False. Oh. They do form monogamous breeding pairs for a season at a time. So, so in, in a right. given year, they will make have one mate. But um, because they all hang out in that big huddle, and one of them goes off to find fish and come back. They do like struggle to find each other <laughs> afterwards. Right. So it's right. It's pretty common to just come back with some fish and feed a kid. 
and yes, and also right. they just find whoever the next year. But some some species are more prone to like longer pairing, so it might last several years. Some of them mate for life, and it's more common in captivity as well. But as a general right. rule, they pair off for a season and then find another one next season. Okay. Mm. In right. a dancer's oldest time. So that renders time. your first. That renders your first question false. Then. Uh, sort of. Yeah. I mean, we. I guess we didn't really see it in Happy Feet, but I guess it's sort of implied that they have. There's a sort of. The one myth for penguins where yeah. they they pair off uniquely for life. Um. Penguins can move in any direction in three dimensions relative to their orientation, as well as a secret fourth bird dimension, and also backwards <laughs> and forwards in time. True or false? Oh, well, I'm going to have to go with with false. Yeah, that, hey, I made that one up, yeah. All of that is untrue. <laughs> um, Same-sex penguin couples have been allowed <laughs> to adopt children for longer than same-sex human couples. True or false? <laughs> you, sorry. Um, true. Uh, it depends. <laughs> it is true in the United States, but it's not right. true here in the UK. So um, the first recorded in captivity, officially sanctioned same-sex penguin adoption was in 2004 in the New York City Zoo. Um, I think one of the dads is still alive. Um, one of them has died. And I think the, the kid has died since as well. But that was like nearly 20 years ago. Um, right. In the UK, same-sex parenting adoption has been legal since 2002. Uh, so slightly longer than penguins. But in America, it's only been legal since 2015. Which is, you wow. know, uh, that's where the, the penguin thing was as well. That's where we so, are. Yeah, that's the state of the world. All right, last one. Yeah. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch cannot pronounce the word penguin, true or false? Probably false, uh, probably true. I mean. Yeah, it is. He can't. Um, well, he sort of can, but he doesn't. And oh, uh, there's some videos you can look up to demonstrate that. That was Penguin or Penglues. <laughs> I think you got like eight out of ten. I wasn't keeping count. That was pretty good. Yeah. I I think this has been our best episode Excellent. yet. Yeah, definitely, definitely by by volume. Yes. <laughs> oh shit! Two hours and forty-five minutes. <laughs> oh bollocks thanks for listening everybody um and we'll let you know what we do next right soon or no we probably won't <laughs> we'll just do yeah. it because we don't care <laughs> nothing matters <laughs> don't care what you think <laughs> bye um bye <laughs>